Good morning, Harmony. Hey, come on in. Find a seat. Everybody stand up with me. We are going to have a great morning worshiping God. This song is called Our God. We've been going through the book of Mark, and it's awesome to see the stories of Jesus. So let's just sing about him this morning. Give ourselves to him this morning. See what happens. It's going to be a great day here at Harmony. So sing from the heart this morning. Think about these words. Sing with me right here. Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. Today, I believe that uh, our God is greater than anything that we face. Do you believe that today? Just raise your hand. Let's go ahead and celebrate that. If you're at home, let let us know. You know, we have a a God that truly is greater than any circumstance that we might face. And and, uh, there's a a lot going on right now, but no matter what's taking place in your life, uh, around the world, in your community, 
God is greater. Well, as you know, uh, the Olympics uh, are kind of like in the midst. It's really at a critical point right now. Um, I don't know whether you know this, uh, but last night, midnight, some of you probably stayed up really late, uh, but there was a battle for the semifinal of badminton. Um, Moms and dads, those of you that have kids in travel sports, save your money. Buy, buy a little net, a couple of rackets, go out in the backyard and teach them badminton. They may meddle, all right? I'm, I'm just telling you, it could be an Olympic hopeful. Literally last night, that was the story, a guy said, look, I wanted to, to be a medalist. I wanted to go to the uh, Olympics. I picked all of the sports that I knew I couldn't play and would never have any hope in. And he thought, badminton might be the ticket. And, and th there he is in the semifinals. So maybe you just go through and select it that way. You know, a lot of us really don't care about badminton, right? Uh, we're just not, not tuning in to, to catch that. And why? Because there's something that we do care about. There's something that is important to us, and that gets our attention. Well, today, uh, in just a little bit, we're going to continue our series, and we're going to be talking about what captured the attention of some of the people that Jesus was encountering. And you're going to be surprised some of the things that they were interested in, some of the things that they took note of, and some of the things that they just absolutely missed out on and, and really weren't even aware that was taking place. So we're going to continue that series called Remarkable in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, we're going to sing a couple of songs, and uh, we're going to ask God to uh, meet with us and to, to help us, uh, no matter what's taking place uh, in our life, to be able to set aside some of those things for the next little while and be able to hear from him. We've got some uh, prayer requests today, and I just want to encourage you uh, to uh, pray for uh, Grayson uh, Knauer, a uh, little, little girl, uh, son, the granddaughter of Mary Knauer, our administrative assistant. She was uh, bitten by a dog earlier this week. She's been in Riley, but she's home now, uh, had some surgery, and healing has taken place. So uh, pray for her that God would just uh, continue to help her uh, heal. And then I want to ask you to pray for uh, Sandy Wilson. She's recovering uh, from a stroke, and, and we have some others that need our prayer as well, Shirley Larman uh, needs prayer, and uh, we just want to encourage you to pray for those uh, that you know are in need and those that are on our prayer list because prayer does make a difference. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask him uh, to take the cares and the worries of, of this life uh, and all the, the things that are going on and ask him uh, to help us. And if you have a prayer request, we would love for you to, to share that uh, request with us. And you can do it uh, by scanning the code for connect with us. You can, you can go ahead and scan that right now. Just pu pull that out. You can let us know that you're here, that you're watching online, and you can share a prayer request, uh, whatever it might be. And if today is your first time uh, with us, we want to thank you uh, for being here and being a part of that. If you've got a prayer request, we want to encourage you to share that with us as well because we'd love the opportunity to be able to pray with you and for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. And Lord, as uh, we gather uh, today, undoubtedly there's, uh, there's struggles that are taking place in, in people's lives. Lord, there's things that are on our mind, concerns, uh, things that Lord, we're worried about things that we're struggling with. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us set those things aside. And God, that today for just a few moments, we would be captured by your grace, by your mercy, by your love. And Lord, that we would leave this place, that when we close out the service, that we would be changed, whether we're here, whether we're watching online, whatever it might be. God, we ask that you work in a special way. For it's in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Stand with me one more time. The reason we can be so confident in prayer is because God is faithful to us. And when he proves his faithfulness to us, then it's our opportunity to be faithful to him. It's what these next two songs are all about. So as we sing these, take them to heart. The song's called Always. Sing with me. My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way. Oh my God, he will not delay. 
my refuge and strength always. I will not fear, his promise is true. My God will come through always, always.
sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours. All I am is yours. I give you everything. To you I belong. Every beat of my heart, the breath in my lungs, all I am is yours. All I This morning, you may be seated. It's unfolding. One of the things that happens over and over in his, his story of Jesus, his presentation of Jesus, is the amazing things that Jesus would do. How people could come and follow him and how people would, would often have a life that was absolutely falling apart, yet Jesus had time with them and for them. And, and we see that over and over and over. And one of the things that, that we see at the very outset of, of the story of Mark, the gospel of Mark, is this. He says, look, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you like to get good news? How, how many of you would like to be able to turn on the news and see good news, right? That, that would just be absolutely amazing. I mean, after like a year and a half or, or longer of nothing but like negative stupidity when you turn it on, no matter what channel it, it might be, you, you just wish that, that something good was, was taking place and, and being shared. Well, here's a, a reality. What we're going to discover today is that Jesus was rejected. Now, for, for whatever reason, when, when we get there, we'll, we'll know, but, but Jesus was rejected. Now, imagine this. Imagine your life coming to a point where you say, look, I've got too much good news. Can't handle anymore. Life is just going my way way too much, way too much good news, and I, I just can't take any more good news. Well, tucked away in Mark chapter 6. That's essentially what we are going to discover today. I think when we look at Mark chapter 6, we're going to discover some, some different things, and we'll ask some questions along the way. One of the questions that I, I want to ask you is, is this. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been rejected? To, to a point where, where someone says, look, I don't. I don't want you in my life. I, I, I don't want to share anything with you. Look, you're not what I was looking for. You're not what I had hoped you would be. Here's what we're going to discover. In the life of Jesus, that actually happened to him. But Jesus didn't crawl up in a corner. Je Jesus didn't say, life is, is over. Jesus wasn't concerned that everyone didn't like him. Jesus would, would go on and, and say, look, you remember that good news that I came to share? I'm going to continue to be that good news, and I'm going to continue to share it. 
So let's take a look at Mark chapter 6, verse number 1. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Did did you get that? They were offended at Jesus. They were offended because Jesus was, was common. They were offended because they knew Jesus in a different way, yet at this point in time, if we just went back up a verse, they, they were pretty impressed. They were pretty astonished, but now it dawns on them, and they say, look, we know who this is. We remember him when he was a kid. Take a look, his, his family is here. And, and there's some insults that are tucked away in that, and we'll cover them in, in just a, a moment. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went out about the villages in a circuit, teaching. It says, and he called the twelve to himself. And began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts. But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet. As a testimony against them, assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So as we take this passage of scripture and we begin to walk down through it, we have Jesus that that leaves one scene and goes to the next and he makes about a 20 mile walk with some of his disciples and he comes into his hometown. He comes into Nazareth, the place where where he's from, the place where he knows people, the place where his family is is at. And, And you would think that they would say, man, here comes the hometown hero. We are glad that he's here. And he gets there and he opened the Bible, he does youth at the temple's mission. They begin to think, we've known him. There's something that's off. Is this not a son of Is this not a brother? And they end up true. And Jesus does something. The only thing is laying him in Nazareth because people will reject their faith and people will reject the truth, but they need to know that they stay on mission and continue to do what they've been called and commanded to do in what we know as the Great Commission. So we look at where Jesus is. And Jesus gives us a picture. He says, even though I'm rejected, even though people don't want to hear everything I have to say, even, they don't, even though they don't necessarily believe everything that I'm bringing, here's, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to keep moving ahead. And I think sometimes in our culture, Sometimes with the things that are going on around us, we say, man, what what is the church going to do? What is the body of Christ going to do? What am I going to do as an individual Christian? Because people just just don't believe. People reject. They don't want to hear what I have to say. What am I going to do? And Jesus would tell us through this passage, just continue to do what we're called to do. Let's take a look at three really quick things and, and we'll make some application. One of the first things that we see in this passage of Scripture is this. Jesus is amazing. Now, now we're going to see that Jesus is amazing all through the Gospel of Mark and Matthew, Luke, John. You see his story and, and his life unfold. But, but that, those aren't my words. Those are the words of the people. Right? When we look at the first few verses, here's what they say. In Mark chapter 6, the first two verses, they're there. Jesus shows up. He begins to teach. And you know what they're saying? We've never seen or heard anything like it. 
Do you know what that tells us? That Jesus is not limited by location. Do you remember just a couple of weeks ago, Jesus is, is healing people? He, he, he takes care of a, a boat ride in a storm that, that kind of gets tossed about. That then he, he shows up and more people are demanding and, and he begins to meet their need. And, and, and then we, we see somebody that has a daughter that's sick and, and, and ready to die. And then Jesus gets interrupted by, by a woman that, that has a, a problem that she can't overcome. And she spent everything that she's had. And Jesus just is amazing repeatedly. I want to tell you something. Jesus is amazing and it's not just by location because he moves to Nazareth 20 miles he's going to his hometown and in the midst of that journey there's conversation and you know the disciples are are going look we've never seen anything like this and the crowds are building and and what's it going to be like in Nazareth because they've been there before Luke records it Luke chapter 4 verse number 29 down into to the rest of the passage he's been in Galilee He's been in the Gadarenes. He's been all around the area. And time after time after time, Jesus is amazing. What's that tell us? That he's not limited by time. He's not limited by location. What you're going to find in this passage of scripture is the only thing that limits Jesus is the unbelief of people. And, and, And that limits him on what he wants to do in your life. He's not limited by the location of Nazareth. He's limited by the unbelief of people. We look and the Bible says that in his teaching, here's what they said. It says, they were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Think about that for just a moment. They're looking and they're saying, this guy is absolutely amazing. We've heard some rumors. We, we knew when he was growing up, there was something that was, was unusual. But, but here's what they say. They say his wisdom, his works, his words, all of it ties together. All of it is absolutely amazing. They're amazed by the works. They're amazed by the words. Yet in all of their amazement, Here's what happens. They won't completely turn everything over to him. You know, sometimes as I read this passage of scripture and I think about some things, I I think that we have more in common with some of these people than than what we want to think. I think sometimes we know that Jesus is amazing. I think sometimes we we know, we we look at his word and we say, man, I've I've never seen that truth like that and, and that's just what I needed. Or, or there's a word of encouragement that we pick up. Or we know that he does something that only he could have done. And we look and say, man, he is absolutely amazing. And then if we're honest, we have to follow up with the question and say, what is keeping him from being even more amazing in my life and in my circumstance and what I'm facing and what I'm dealing with? When we look at... The fact that Jesus is amazing. Jesus is amazing from location to location. He's amazing in his teaching over and over and over. Here's what's happening. People are leaning in when Jesus is talking. And they're saying, we've never heard anything like this. He's amazing in location. He's amazing in his teaching. He's amazing and the results. When you look at Jesus, he never encounters a person where they're not better after being with him than they were before. Just, just think about this for, for just a moment. Can you imagine the before and after pictures that Jesus could have, could have put together? I, I mean, Jesus on an infomercial in 2021. All the before and afters. The, the, the people that, that, that could just begin to, to share what was in their life and now what is. And, and all of these things unfold. And over and over and over, you see that in the life of Jesus, he touched people, he made a difference, and their life was always better after 
they encountered him. Always better. He didn't meet people and say, I want something from you. He met people and he had something for them. He didn't meet people and say, hey, what can you do for me? He met people right where they were, and he engaged them in conversation, and he began to change their life. And, and, and what we discover again and again and again is Jesus is amazing. People always left in better gifts. It says he could do no work there except, except. Jesus has time to, to meet needs. Jesus doesn't say, look, I only want a certain group of people or certain individuals to follow me. You see, that's what they were used to. Jesus said, no, you can come and, and follow me. And he's inviting Matthew, a guy that was a tax collector. And, and the New Living Translation describes him as scum. He's inviting Peter and James and John and Andrew. And he's calling them from a former life. And he says, I can make you more. Right now you're living for the temporary, but I can change your life and give you an eternal focus. And every one of them is always left better after the encounter with Jesus. And here's what we're going to discover, that Jesus is absolutely amazing over and over and over. Peter and James, Andrew, John, they were amazed by him, so they followed him. Matthew was amazed that anyone wanted him to be a part of what was going on in their life. So he followed him. The woman with the issue of blood was absolutely amazed. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Why? Because he was amazing. Jesus never ceased to be amazing. He was always what people needed. And he left them standing in awe of what he had done. Because it was that unusual. Yet when we look at what unfolds here, in all amazement, here's what the Bible says. They were offended at him. They said, that's really cool. That they're wondering and they're saying, man, I, I, I'm just not certain because, look, here's a reality. We know a few things about him. Why did they reject him? Well, if, if, we, if we take a look, they're amazed in, in verse number two, but in verse number three, here's what they say. They're offended at him. Why? Because they asked the question, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James? They list some others and they say, are not his sisters here with us? So they're offended. A commentator of a bygone era asked this question. Why would someone reject the good news of Jesus? And here's what he, what he said concerning these people. They had a great opinion of themselves and a bad opinion of God. And, and, and how do we know that? Because of, of what they said. They rejected Jesus because of familiarity. There's an old saying that, that just says this, familiarity breeds contempt. Jesus said it this way, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And so when we look at what Jesus has to say, here's, here's the reason that they rejected Jesus. They rejected him because of common ordinary beginnings and his associations. The son of Mary was an insult. They weren't saying, look, we know his mom, Mary, that, that's that's not, not what it was. Uh, a family was known by their father in that day. But because it was an unexplainable situation, and, and because they weren't going to put some faith out there and say, is this not the Son of God? No, they said, look, is this not the Son of Mary? And, and, and then they, they said this. They said, the brother of James. The Bible teaches us that James wasn't a believer until long after the resurrection. A period of time went by. James didn't believe in who Jesus was. You talk about a sibling rivalry. You, you talk about some, some struggles that, that are there and very real. James doesn't believe. And he's grown up in, in the house with Jesus. And, and he's there. The brothers, the, the sisters, the, the people that are involved. Here's what the people said. They said, we know all of them. And we know Jesus. You know what? We're offended that he thinks we need him. We're offended that he thinks he could make a difference 
in our life. You see, ultimately, they had a pretty good opinion of themselves, and they had a bad opinion of God. They, they had a, a pretty good idea of what they could handle, and then they said, look, we, we, we don't need this, this God thing in, in this moment. Now, let's tie this together. Ultimately, it comes down to this. They rejected Jesus because of their unbelief. In Luke chapter 4, and verse number 29, they led Jesus out of the town, and they tried to push him over a cliff and kill him. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus came back. I don't know about you, but, but if you lead me out of a town, try and push me over a cliff, and say, yeah, we, we need to get rid of him, I, I'm probably just going to say, you know what, I think you guys are on your own from here on out. I, there, there's probably, I mean, oh, we're going to leave things right where they were, we're going to be, um, that's what's we're wrapped up. Sometimes one of our greatest problems is, as, as people who have been around church, I think sometimes we're familiar with Jesus, we're familiar with God, so, so we reject his truth. We're familiar with some things, and, and, and we know somebody who tried it, and, and their life wasn't perfect, so, so now we go ahead and reject it. We're familiar with some things about the Bible, but, but, but it makes us a little uncomfortable, so, so we just stay in a state of unbelief rather than believing. When we look at what unfolds in this passage of Scripture Jesus had much more for them, but he couldn't do many mighty works in their area. Why? Was it because there was something wrong with the location? Was it because all of a sudden he, he didn't have the wisdom? He didn't have the words? He didn't have the, the works? What Was it all of a sudden he could no longer meet a need? Did, did he want to leave the people in worse condition all of a sudden than what they were before he arrived? No, it was because of their unbelief wasn't because he had changed. It was because they would not believe. And I often wonder how different our life as Christians would be if we had a greater faith of what God could do, of what he wants to do in our heart and life. So as Jesus is rejected, as, as Jesus is, is told, look, here's... Here's what, what we want. We don't want you to hang around and teach. Jesus just began to go and teach in, in, in some of the surrounding villages, and, and he, he began to do some things there. And then he gets his followers together, and what did Jesus do? Did Jesus get his followers together and say, guys, we're packing up, we're, we're, we're going to call off the mission, and we're no longer going to tell anybody who I am because some people didn't believe. Did Jesus get together and say, all right, Peter, James, John, Andrew, you guys are kind of the senior leaders. What, 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 do, we, what do we need to do? We, we, we need to do something. I did constant. No, here's what he said. Jesus said, sharing, because maybe they knew you when you were a kid. Maybe they know some of your associates. Maybe they're familiar with you and they don't want to buy into things. Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you know what? It's time to keep on going. And, and, and here's a, a reality. Today, the church is not always embraced. But here's the good news. The church has not always been embraced. We wonder what we're going to do because if we share our faith, they might reject us. Guess what? They're going to reject some of us. Why? Because they rejected the truth of Jesus. And, and I'm amazed that, that we, we have all kinds of ways and classes and things to come up with, and we've got all of these how-tos. Can, can you imagine trying to explain to Jesus? You know people were struggling with us, so we created all kinds of classes and all kinds of other things because we thought it would help. And then they rejected you, maybe they're going to go ahead and reject us as well. Here's Jesus run around, and we're offended more than, than we're sharing the gospel. We're offended at, at what somebody else is doing rather than going out and, and sharing. We're hung up on, on what somebody else did, said, or, or we can't get by something, so, so we don't spend any time gathering and sharing. And Jesus said, look, I'm not worried about whether they're offended or not. It's not taking me off message. 
here's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and, and we're called to make disciples. So he said, followers, I want you to come together and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out two by two. We're going to do this thing in a, in a partnership. We're going out in relationship and we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. They were Jesus followers and they were sent out together. And, and here's the, the next thing. He sends people, right? That, that's what he does. Some of us, when it comes to, to making disciples, you know what we want to do? We want to send money. That, that, that's, that's a lot of what the church in the Western world does. We, we, we say, you know what? We can send money. And do you know why we say we can send money? Because it makes us feel like we've done our part. Do we need to send money? Absolutely, we need to send money because money can go places we can't go. But Jesus didn't call the 12 together and say, hey, let's take up an offering and then we're going to talk somebody else in to, to go and, and deliver it and we'll let them share their faith because they're really good at it. Jesus pulls them together and Jesus says, look, I'm sending people. He said, and I'm sending people with a purpose. What, what was the purpose? He says, I want you to go and I want you to share the good news. He says, I'm sending you out two by two, and I'm going to give you power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts. He says, wear sandals and don't even take a change of clothes with you. And he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Their, their purpose was to go and tell others the good news of Jesus and who he was and what he came to do. Now, when you begin to think about this for just a moment, he sends them out with purpose to share the good news. I wonder how much of our life we spend sharing the good news of Christ as, as, as Christ followers. He sends them out with power. He says, I'm going to send you out with power. In verse number seven, he sends them out with what? Unseen, specifically. I'm going to send you with dependence. Verse number eight. In verse number nine, he says, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts. Can you imagine packing up, saying, hey, we're going to go on a little mission trip. We're not taking a, a bag. We're not taking anything to eat. And we're not taking any money in the money belt. And we're just going to wear a pair of sandals and go with the clothes we got on. Why did Jesus say some of these things? Well, there's some inside practical things for it. One, when men went into the temple in this day, they took off the money belt and, and some other things as a sign of we're here for holy business. And Jesus said, I'm sending you out and you're going to go into homes, and you're going to go into places where I want to dwell, and I want you to be on my business wherever you go. It's not just reserved for a time at the temple. It's reserved for every day of your life. He said, I want you to be dependent upon me because I'm sending you, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. I'll take care of the money. I'll take care of the food. I'll take care of the clothing. Don't, don't worry about it. I will provide. Jesus sent with ability. He said, I want you to go and preach. I want you to tell them what they need to be told. And here's what they did. They went out and preached. You see, Jesus sent them out as people with a purpose. He said, I'm going to give you the power, and all you got to do is be dependent upon me and trust me for the ability, because I'm never going to call you or send you without equipping you. And here's the reality. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus sent us. He sent that same group. He's sending all followers. 
He says in verse number 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the teaching them to observe all and even to the end of the age. Jesus said, now, just who was willing to hear. And sometimes we let somebody's unbelief from 10 years ago influence what we're doing right here, right now, today. And Jesus says, look, here's, here's what we need to get. That I was amazing from location to location, but people still rejected me. But I'm going to still send you. We still have a responsibility to go. You know that there's nearly 8 billion people in the world right now. 7.9 billion people in the world. 2.3 billion profess to be Christ followers. So we got 7.9, 2.3 profess to be Christ followers. Of that gap, there's more than 5 billion that don't know the Jesus that I know and maybe the Jesus that you know. Here's something that's tragic. 3 billion of them, 3 billion lack access to the gospel. Over half of the world's population not Christian and they lack access to the gospel. There's a lot of people that need to be reached. A lot of people that we've been sent to and tragically, sometimes we're more worried about what we're going to eat. We're more worried about what we're going to wear. We're more worried about how we're going to pay for things. And those are three things that Jesus said, don't worry about. I want you to go. I want you to share your faith. I want you to go and tell people the good news of, of, of what I have come to do. We've got 3 billion people in the world that don't have access to the gospel. And that's tragic. But you know what's even more tragic? Is, is we've got 170,311 residents in Hendricks County. People that are within our reach. And we say, man, it really, it really hurts us that 3 billion people don't have access to the gospel around the world. But what about the 170,000 residents right here that we interact with on a regular basis? Are we telling them? Are we doing something to, to make a difference in them? What if we just, just became more like the, the early followers of Christ and those disciples and said, okay, here's what we want to do, Jesus. You, you were rejected, but you came to bring good news and you came to, to demonstrate the good news. So here's what we're going to do. Together, we're going to go out and we're going to do what we can. We're going to reach everyone, everywhere, every way that we possibly can each and every day. What if we determined to do that? Did you know what would happen? We may not reach all three billion that don't have access to the gospel, but we could reach a whole bunch of them. We may not be able to talk to all 170,000 residents in our county, but we could make a commitment to say everyone that I can talk to everywhere, every way, I'm going to do what I can to make sure that they know the Jesus that I know. Because they're there. And they, they need Jesus. They need the hope of Jesus. What would happen if we just said together, we can? Just as the disciples went out together. If we said, oh, you know what? We're in this together. Jesus, we're with you. Most of the time we think, oh, we, we, we could never do that. And you know what's limiting us doing that? Our unbelief. 
Do you know what's keeping us from, from experiencing God do, doing more in our lives as, as Christ followers? Many times it's, it's our little faith. It's our unbelief. You see, Jesus was rejected twice by the people that should have trusted him the most. But he stayed on mission. He kept on sharing. The disciples, they were amazed that they had a chance to go. And they couldn't wait to tell Jesus what they had done. And we'll pick that up in a few services. They go out and they can't wait to tell Jesus what they have done. Kind of makes you think there's going to be an opportunity for us to tell Jesus what we have done. And, and what will our report be? What will we bring back? When we take a look at the crowd, the crowd was amazed, but they didn't believe. Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. And I wonder today, have you believed? Have, have you trusted Jesus? Have you said, I, I want to follow you and I want you to be my Savior? That's why he came. That's what he's all about. And today, if you've not done that, I would encourage you to do that. Today, if you're a part of that crowd that says, man, I've heard some things about Jesus, but everywhere, every way, we'll do what we can to reach that one that we're around because that's ultimately how we reach those three billion plus that don't have access to the gospel, that don't know the Jesus that I know and that maybe you know. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, if you don't know Christ, I want you to know that he loves you and he has an incredible plan for your life, that he came and he lived his life perfect. He was crucified. He died. He was buried and he rose again and he did it to pay for your sin, to pay for mine. And today, if you've never placed your faith and trust in him right here, right now, wherever you are, let me ask you these simple questions. Do you believe that you've done something wrong? Do you believe that you're a sinner, that you've missed the mark of living a perfect life? If that's you, and you say, yeah, I believe that, then let me ask you this. The best you know how, do you believe that Jesus was willing to give his life for you, that he died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day, as the Bible says? I'm not asking if you understand all of it. I'm just asking if you're willing to believe it. You're willing to trust it. You see, if you believe that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus died and rose again, then all that is left to do is for you to say, Jesus, the best I know how, I'm acknowledging that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. If you've never done that, but you would like to do that, right now, do that. From your heart right to his heart. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, I'm not perfect, I've missed your mark, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm asking you to be my savior. If you'll do that and mean it, he will save you. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I've already done that. I know Jesus as my savior, but quite honestly, sometimes I struggle with some unbelief, and I don't want to limit God in my life with some unbelief. I, I, I want God to, to work in my life and I want to have a greater faith. I don't want to just see him as amazing. I don't want to just see him as somebody I'm familiar with and know some things about. I really want to trust him with everything. Maybe that's you. Maybe today you would say, God, would you help me believe you more? Would you help me to trust you more? Would you help me with my unbelief? Right where you are, just ask him that. Maybe today you would say, John, you talked about going out and sharing 
faith as the disciples did and being more dependent upon him. Maybe you would say, look, for me right, right now, I've got some people that, that I need to be more serious about sharing my faith with. Maybe that's your prayer. Take a moment and talk with the Lord about it. Maybe you've got a need that, that wasn't even addressed this morning. I want to encourage you, no matter what it is, to take some time right now as I pray. Give your prayer to the Lord and let him begin to work in your life. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. And God, I pray that you would help us to see that in the midst of you going throughout life, that you experienced rejection, that people rejected the good news. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop over. Great.